from John Wick to Toy Story, from Quentin Tarantino to Stranger Things, we've got a lot of trailers and news to cover this week. But we've got a lot of reviews as well. Mid-90s, Hotel Mumbai, The Dirt, and Fighting With My Family. All this and more, can you believe there's more, on this upcoming Tractors episode of Midnight Double Feature. We gotta do this quick. We got a million things to talk about, bro. Hello, hello. What's cracking, man? Yeah, we got we got a we got a big agenda today, don't we? Oh my god! Like, like once we finished recording last week's episode, the next day we got the trailer for Toy Story Four, which was massive enough as it is. And then we just kept getting. I think the next. I think the day after that, or the same day, one or the other, we got John Wick Three, um, and then. Like Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hell yeah. And it just kept coming and it just kept coming. And I'm like, when the fuck is it gonna stop? Because I'm scared to record this next episode. <laughs> it was it's been it's been insane. Like everyone's been uh, you know, posting trailers and shit in the after party, which guys, you can follow on Facebook. It's called the After Party, it's our Facebook group. Uh, you can also follow us on Midnight Double Feature, which is oh sorry. You can also on follow Facebook. us Midnight Double Feature, which is on <laughs> Facebook, uh, and then you can also follow us on Instagram, which is at Midnight Double Feature, and on Twitter, which is at MDF Pod. But dude, before we jump into anything, I want to shout you out, uh, dude. You just launched a YouTube uh, YouTube page. Give oh us, yeah, give us more um, info. Velomat Films um, put a few things up, including my. 2016 short uh, Bleeding Backs, which, um, funnily enough, is why I'm a part of Midnight Double Feature in a way, because one of the very first episodes was you talking to me about that. Yeah, I guarantee you that episode, if you go back and listen to it, the audio is dog shit. We're very, like, you know, very shy because it was so uh, <laughs> it was so <laughs> early on. Like, I was listening to some early episodes, like, I was like, ooh. Man, we were not uh, not confident. <laughs> and um, some behind the scenes uh, info for for people, just a little bit of goss. Um, so we did that episode. I think it was episode three or four of the podcast. I think Very it was episode early, four. Yeah. Um, and I was a guest. And like the next day, you're like to me, "Hey, Colin thinks you should be a member of the podcast." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "No, nah, man. I'm. I'm t- I don't think I can. I'll have the time." And then you started inviting me on as a guest. To prove to me that I did have the time. <laughs> and then eventually it was like, Matt, just during the fucking podcast, you're on every week, dude. I'm like, okay. <laughs> nice. And then, and then Danny joined as well, and the rest is history. The rest is history. And we just passed our one year anniversary, dude. I, <laughs> I am so, so, like, I'm on cloud nine, man. Like, I Happy can't believe. Birthday. I cannot believe we started the podcast over a year ago. It is. Insane, like the way it's grown, the way everything's just come together. It's it's been an absolute fever dream. So thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you for sticking with us, uh, and thank you for all the feedback that you've given us because we couldn't have made it a year without you guys. So really appreciate it. I do have to say, like, massive congrats to you and Colin for starting this, and to the rest of the team too, which I'm part of now. But um, oh, thank you for like, sucking my dick, man. I am I am really proud of the community and and fan base that that this podcast has has, has created. Like, um, I don't know how many podcasts I've seen that have um, started from nothing 
and were able to grow so rapidly and and awesomely, you know. Um, no, no, no hate to anyone who who struggled with that, but it just really goes to show um, when you are consistent and you work hard, um, it really it, it does pay off. Because guys who don't know, Zoheb is a part of pretty much every episode. He does two episodes a week. These upcoming attractions and the feature presentations, and not only that, he edits both of them as well. And just to do a feature presentation, that's about a three to four hour commitment of just recording um, sometimes. Then you get on top of that, the editing, I guess. And then you got to watch the fucking movie as well, which is about another two hours. So you probably spend uh, close to 15 hours a week on top of your full-time job working on this, man. So hats off to you. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, man. Like, it was just, honestly, it's just a love child. <laughs> like, like, I was just like... <laughs> It's a because because what my job is it's um it's very dry uh it's very you know plain it's it's a lot of law and regulatory work and you know sometimes you just need a, an escape you know sometimes you just need to step away uh and what better way to do that than you know es- escapism or escapism um than film like honestly like it's just a it's just a way to get out of your you know everyday bullshit so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, honestly, man, thank you so much to yourself as well uh, for you jumping on. I know you've got a, a crazy, crazy work uh, work ethic, so I really appreciate you making time. Um, and what for Danny as well. I can't stay away from you, man. I can't stay away from you. Yeah, man. But like, I, I, I definitely love talking movies. I love, uh, I love talking film. I love talking shit. So here we are doing that this week again. On a yeah. fucking massive list, dude. We let's work our way through this shit, man. Like look, let's okay. get get let's be done with all the sucking dick. Like let's go. Let's go. All right. Well look, we got a few <laughs> small um little small things we want to talk about before we get into the long list of amazing trailers. Um, which I'm just realizing I haven't seen all of them. Shit. That's okay. Um, but first of all, let's just let's just say it real quick. One month till Avengers Endgame. We are both excited. That's not yeah, news. Yeah. That's just something yeah. I want to remind people about. One month till Avengers Endgame. Um, also, uh, you guys are going to see an influx of Marvel-related <laughs> or Avengers-related stuff on the after party. So I do apologize if you're not a fan of Marvel, uh, but we are. So and we're look, we're obviously going to want to talk about the shit that we love. So we really apologize for all the Marvel spam that's coming up. But I want to talk about the theory that Ant Man will expand in Thanos's ass. That needs to happen. That's what do you mean happen. theory? That's confirmed. Kevin Feige it's confirmed. confirmed it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sure. Um, <laughs> it's only a month away till we see um, Ant-Man expanding the Thanos' ass, which is, like, so meme now. Like, I see memes yeah, of new memes that's where I picked every it up day. from. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, okay, look, look, real quick, you wanted to talk about an upcoming film called Dune, and you've been wanting to talk about this for a while, haven't you? Yeah, man, I yeah. have been... Uh, I, I have mentioned it on upcoming attractions here and there, but I haven't really um, talked about it. On purpose. Um, well, for me, I know very little about it other than it's based okay. on a book. So, for those who don't know, who are like me, fill us in. Why, what is this film and why should we be so excited about it? So, this film, uh, number one, what got me on board was that it's directed by Denis Villeneuve. So, Denis Villeneuve, if you haven't heard of this guy, if you've been living under a rock, this guy has, I'm not even kidding, Probably overtaken Christopher Nolan as my favorite director. Uh, he directed Sicario. He directed Prisoners. He directed Arrival. He directed Blade Runner twenty forty nine. 
Um, this guy is a force to be reckoned with. He has not made one bad film. Uh, <laughs> everything he puts his hands on turns to gold. Uh, and I think, honestly, I think the studios just have a, a lot of faith in him because Blade Runner 2049 did not do well at the box office, even though that was a massive budget. So Dune, Dune has a massive budget as well. Like it, it, it will, it probably will. I don't know the the numbers, but considering the cast that I will talk about in a second, they've definitely got a lot of faith in this director to bring Dune to the big screen and do it faithfully. Um, so let me just quickly go through the go through the uh, cast list here. Now, now, Oscar, let me ask yeah. you before you do: Is this cast? Because there's been some crazy cast announcements for like films in general, mostly Disney related lately. Would you say this cast is on par with like the stardom of something like Lion King or Doctor Doodle? Um, I would go further and say that this is one of the best casts that I've seen in a very long time. Wow. Uh, I think, okay. Yeah, Lay it on me. Lay if it on you me, think brother. about the talent here. Okay. So uh, I'm going to start from like maybe the least, the, <laughs> I'm going to say it so terribly, the least <laughs> talented, Jason Momoa. I mean, like, look, okay, come on. Like he's he's got good presence, but he hasn't really turned in like a very Oscar-worthy performance or anything like that. I mean, Game yeah, of Thrones was fantastic, but, but Jason but he's Momoa. A, he's a very relevant name and he's getting a lot right. of, um, he's getting a lot of hype right now. You're right, exactly. My my thinking is that he's very expensive. So another reason why I think the budget for this is going to be massive. So Jason Momoa, you've got Zendaya, who's from Spider-Man Homecoming and is going to be in the sequel as well. And uh, she's also know, like a massive pop star within the music for, for kids. Right, she's basically, reason. she's a big Disney Disney girl, yeah. isn't she? I think so, yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, Dave Bautista. That everyone loves, man. Like, that guy is incredible. But he's also coming over from Blade Runner 49, which is, uh, again, 2049, uh, again, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Um, Charlotte Rampling. So she was in Dexter. She's, I don't really know from any other movie, but she's awesome. David Dosmolchin. So David Dosmolchin has been in The Dark Knight and has been in Ant-Man. He is the Ah. Russian guy in Ant-Man. He's um, in heaps of stuff. Oh, sorry, go on. No, no, I was just going to say, he's the Russian guy in Ant-Man. Uh, I was just going to say, um, I looked her up. So, Charlotte Rampling, um, she was in the final season of Dexter. She is yes. the, or, yeah, she's the one who created the code or whatever he follows. There you go. Yeah, on. yeah. She's, uh, that, yeah, that season was very forgettable, but. <laughs> um, A lot of Dexter's seasons were very forgettable, but we kept, we right. kept watching them, damn it. <laughs> right, right. Stellan Skarsgård who will be playing Baron Harkonnen. Stellan Skarsgård is very popular. Uh, he was in uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. He was in Thor. Uh, he's been in a shitload of stuff. He's very talented. I'm really excited to see him in this. Rebecca Ferguson, uh, obviously for Mission Impossible, the latest the, the later few. Um, yeah. Again, ver- a great, great actress. Really excited to see her. Always want to see more of her. Oscar Isaac from Star Wars plays yes. Chloe Dameron. He's from heaps of shit. He's amazing. Um, um, also, wasn't he in um, uh, X Men Apocalypse and Triple Frontier? No, no, the uh, the fucking the robot movie that I like. Yes, X Machina. X Machina. That's it. Yeah, yeah. He's he's an incredible actor, man. Really keen to see more of him. Uh, he's playing Duke Leto Atreides, who's a very big, very big name. Uh, Josh Brolin plays Gurney Halleck. I mean, come on, man. He, you can't get he's known for having fucking- an ant expand inside of his ass. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he will be known. But uh, yeah, man, Josh Brolin's always fantastic. But reuniting Josh Brolin, uh, re- reuniting with Josh Brolin is Javier Bardem, who plays Stilgar. Uh, obviously, you know, they were both together in uh, No Country for Old Men, which you can go and listen to on the podcast. Um, Javier Bardem is a fucking outstanding actor, man. Love that guy. But the guy, the lead of the movie, the main character playing Paul Atreides is Timothy Chalamet. Um, Hot hot off an Oscar win. Hot off an Oscar win, for sure. So just right there, man, that cast is already incredible. Uh, But I also wanted to mention something else which was announced this week as well. Scoring the movie is my boy Hans fucking Zimmer. Come on, dude. You can't beat this. You just can't. You can't (laughs) beat this. But, um... Cinematographer, dude. I thought it might have been, um, it might have been uh, Roger Deakins coming back because he's a very he's a regular of Denis Villeneuve. But it's actually a guy named Greg Fraser. He's um, Australian. He's from Melbourne, actually. He did uh, Rogue One, Star Wars Story, Foxcatcher, Zero Duck Thirty, and Vice. He's fantastic with those movies. Um, so yeah, man, this is absolutely shaping up to be one of my most anticipated movies of 2020, if not the most anticipated movie of 2020. Uh, I even went out and bought the book. I'm about a quarter way through. It is an outstanding sort of story, man. It's very deep. Uh, Denis Villeneuve said that he's going to be adapting the book into two movies. So this will be part one of two. Um, let me just- Would that be his first sequel? Sorry, what was that? Would that be his first sequel? Yeah. Oh, well, technically he directed the second Blade Runner, but yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, true. But yeah, because he didn't do the, um, he didn't do Sicario 2, did he? No, no, he didn't. No, that was directed by Stefano Salema. So So this uh, is like his avatar. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Let me just read you the back of the the blurb of the book that I'm holding here. Um, It is an outstanding book. Uh, If you haven't checked it out, definitely check it out. It's written by Frank Herbert, um, and it says... Before The Matrix, before Star Wars, before Ender's Game and Neuromancer, there was Dune, the greatest science fiction novel ever to be written. And honestly, there there are a lot of, like, supporters of those facts. Like, this is before Star Wars, dude. Like, think about that. Um, that could so mean spice- a lot of things, but still. Yeah. Well, the spice melange is the rarest and most valuable element in the universe. It does everything from increasing a person's lifespan to making interstellar travel possible. And it can only be found on a single planet, the inhospitable desert world of Arrakis. Whoever controls Arrakis controls the spice, and whoever controls the spice controls the universe. When the Emperor transfers stewardship of Arrakis from the noble house Harkonnen to house Atreides, the Harkonnens fight back, murdering Duke Leto Atreides. That's a spoiler, but, you know, it's on the back of the book, so I don't really fucking, you know. Lady Jessica, Duke Leto's concubine, flees into the desert with their young son, Paul, where they are rescued by a brand of freemen, the native people of Arrakis. The freemen control Arrakis, Arrakis' second greatest resource, the monstrous worms that burrow beneath the burning desert sands. In order to raise an army to avenge his father and retake Arrakis from the Harkonnens, Paul must earn the, earn the trust of the freemen and lead a tiny army against the... In, in, Innumerable forces aligned against them. His journey will change everything. I am so fucking excited. I won't lie, it sounds pretty good. It's uh, science fiction as shit. Uh, But yeah, this was also um, adapted by the great David Lynch uh, in the 80s. So that's that's a movie. I don't know if it's good. I haven't haven't seen seen that. Have you? Yeah. 
No, I haven't actually. We should watch that. Hmm. Um. Really yeah, stoked. That sounds really cool. Um. Let's shake things up and talk about trailer, shall we? Hell yeah! Let's get into it. Let's talk about. You know, I'm not going to lie. It's the one I want to see the most. John Wick 3 pa- Parabellum. Is that how you pronounce it? Parabellum. Parabellum. Yep. Parabellum. Um, I just got to say, though, this new trailer is so much better than the last one, right? It's uh, so- Yeah. It's just- I mean, I, I, I didn't, I didn't hate the last one. I didn't hate the yeah. last one. I just feel like the last one was a lot of, like, you know, typical shots of, like, you know, people- People just like reacting and looking at stuff, but now we're getting some story. We're seeing some character. Um, my big, my big question I've got, and this sort of comes a little bit from the posters. We got, see, you know, you know me. One of my favorite, my my actually my number one favorite comedic actor is probably Jason Manzukis, and he's in this. It was probably a serious role, but on all the posters for the characters, it says TikTok. He plays a guy called the TikTok Man. Seems like he's a main character. But he's not in the second trailer either. And I'm just like, where is my boy? Is he only in one scene? What's going on? Is he going to be playing dramatic? I don't know. But we see a lot of other people in this. We see Halle Berry. We see get to learn a bit more about her. We get to see... We get to see a lot, don't we? Wait, what? Sorry, I missed that last one. <laughs> I missed that last one. Basically, we see a lot in this trailer, hey? And there's this chick yeah. who... Who is she? Who's this girl with the neck tattoo? I've seen her in something before. I'm not sure what it is. Are you talking about uh, Angelica Houston? Is that her? What, what's she from? I know her. Are you talking about this older lady? Is that who you're talking no, about? No, no, no. She's, she's younger and she's got like a neck tattoo. Fuck, I don't know, man. <laughs> I want to look her know. up. But yeah, I'm oh, really excited for this movie. This, uh, I mean, the action looks outstanding. Um, again, Jason- oh, sorry. Orange New Black. That's what she's in. Sorry. All right. What? What? Uh, who's she playing? Orange is the new black. Um, uh, Brandy Epps. I think she's like one of the Nazi chicks. Oh right. Okay. Yeah, I'm not familiar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously it lo- it sounds like they're poaching a few from uh, Orange is the New Black with yeah, uh, Ruby Rose in, in the last one, right? Yeah, it's two in a row. Um, keeping like we got a lot more story now. Um, uh. And I was worried with the last one. It just seemed too similar to number two story-wise. No, Not that we, we watched these movies for the worried, story. Man. I don't think you should be worried at all. Yeah, well, that's what I love about this new trailer. It's like we're seeing a lot more, like, more depth to the story. That being said, I don't watch it for the story. I'm watching this for the action. But, you know, this look, this look. could this be, um, what's her name, Halle Berry's comeback? She's tried to make a comeback for a while. She hasn't had a big one, but this is a big part- to- like film to be a part of, I would say. Um, uh, well, I just want to mention something. I don't want to um rag on the trail on the story for uh John Wick, man. Like you know, everyone, although everyone comes for the action, I really dig the story for John Wick one and two, man. Like I like this whole underworld sort of. You know, they've got their own little underworld of assassins that play by their own rules. That's fucking awesome to be. I, I wouldn't say it's a cool story, but it's definitely cool world building. And, well, um, yeah, but uh, uh, I've got one one little niggle with this trailer, right? What? So, <laughs> and forget, forgive me if I'm uh, messing this up because I haven't seen the second one in a while. But at the end of this trailer, she says, uh, "All this for a puppy," uh, and you know, he says, "You know, it wasn't just a puppy." 
But really, all of this doesn't really stem from the killing of the puppy. This comes from this, the the you know the the blood. Uh, what was it? The blood pact they had this in the second one between yeah. him and the villain. So, I mean, Look, like that story with the puppy, that was all wrapped up, right? Sort of. Like you could argue, like it sort of stemmed from it, but it's definitely the reason why he's still doing it. Like that's not his motivation, because it's it's also equally not just the puppy; it's the car as well. You know, uh, but they, that they was did, wrapped they, up too. That yeah, was yeah, the, it was wrapped up in the beginning of number two. Actually, yeah. like they sort of left it as like a a loose end that people just forgot about with number right. one, but they wrapped it up in the opening scene of two, pretty right. much. And the second one like started a whole new sort of thing. Like the puppy and the car in in the first one got wrapped up in the second one. So when she says all this for a puppy, I'm like that doesn't really track unless you know because we haven't seen chapter three unless she's talking about something else. But yeah, like it might be like. That, that's what, that's my thinking. Like there might be some sort of plot element where he takes revenge because of X Y Z. But obviously, like the big thing this has to wrap up is that he's on the run since the end of two. Um, right, of course. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the biggest problem with two, honestly, for me. Like, of course, two sort of took everything up a notch. But um, unlike the first one, where it sort of started off a bit slow and it sort of built its way up, two started big, then dipped a lot to go into like world building and stuff. And then sort of brought itself back up. And that's because they resolved all the problems with the first scene, pretty much. And then they had to create sort of new problems for him to have. Um, which, again, sort of makes you wonder, well, what are they doing to three? Like, are they actually going to go into the puppy thing? But you know what I think it's actually going to be? I think it's just like a minor, like, I think the script writers don't give a fuck about continuity or anything. Oh, I disagree. No, because they, they did a big fuck up in number two with the boogeyman line. Like, they in the first one, they call him, he's the guy who gets rid of the fucking boogeyman. And in the second one, they call him the boogeyman. So, like, that's one little issue. I don't know, man. I think that's I think that's a, that's a lot different than entire storyline, you know, plot. Well, well, not the whole story, but, like, for someone to mistaken, like, the reasoning, like, the oh, all this for a puppy... <laughs> Like that's Dude, the that, same as mixing up the boogeyman line for me. That that mixing up the boogie line, boogeyman line thing was what we were arguing about Captain Marvel a couple of weeks back. Like that's on that level, <laughs> <laughs> which um, is not not a story for you for today, listeners. We'll yeah, tell that story some other time. I'm not too fussed, but one thing we, we just got to make mention because we saw photos of it, but we actually see it in action in this trailer. Is oh my god. This chase sequence looks like going to be one of the best chase sequences ever. Like the horse and he's shooting the people on the bikes. Like, holy freaking hell, man. This looks like one of the coolest scenes ever. Yeah, and- it looks. It definitely looks outstanding. But me being me, I, I, I wish they'd stop. Like, it looks a little green screeny at times. Does it? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Even though it was shot practically. Like, some of it looks a little... I don't know. I don't know. Watch it again. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Like, but I'm being I'm, picky, man. Like, I know. I'm, I know. I'm going to love it when I see it, and I know I'm not going to pick it out as much when I see it because I'm going to be in the moment. You know. The thing is, John Wick, that whole franchise, especially number two, like it's so just stylish and crazy. So I wouldn't put it past them to do something like that. But they're also very passionate about practical, like with the fighting and stuff. So I wouldn't. I, w- I have no idea. What's a to guess on that? Well, look, I'm, I'm, I know I'm just being picky, but uh, dude, how about that Matrix line? Yes, yes, that's the one thing I want to talk about. Like, The Matrix is my favorite film of all time. And when I heard for number two, when I heard they'll bring Morpheus back, I'm like, 
fuck yeah. I'm actually mad they didn't bring- I thought, like, the next go would be bring Trinity in for this. And, um, Carrie Ann Moss isn't here, but there's a character that has a very- um, the, the girl from Orange New Black has a very similar vibe to her. I wonder if they originally reached out to Carrie Ann Moss and she didn't come back. I believe that's her name, the actor who plays Trinity. She's also in Daredevil. Um, and Jessica Jones. But, um, uh, when you just give me that Matrix line, I got so happy, man. It's like, please turn guns, lots of guns into his, I'll be back. Turn it into his, yippee Kaye. Like, I want to see, when they do Bill and Ted 3, which, by the way, slight, small piece of news, officially confirmed as a release date for 2020, I believe. Like, if they do a guns, lots of guns, guns, lots of guns line, I'll be stoked. I want every Keanu Reeves movie from now on to have that line. He should have had it for the last 200 years. Like, ah, it's such a good fan. So I got, I got so fanned out, man. I got so happy seeing hearing that. Like, oh my God. It was awesome. Oh, damn, I'm so happy. I'm just, all right. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely I'm sorry. stuck, man. I'm, Look, we more John Wick is never a bad thing. So we should move on. But like, I'm, I'm just <laughs> orgasmically happy right now. Um, let's do a quick small one. You want to talk about Christopher Nolan, um, your your other favorite director. You said there was something going on with him you want to chat about? Yeah, uh, look, this is going to be very brief. No one really knows what his next film is called at this point. Um, but we did get some, you know, casting news this week, which is always exciting, man. Like, I'm always down to talk Christopher Nolan. This is a director that's, you know earned so much clout with me um the reason why we're very scared uh, well the reason why we haven't touched many of his movies on the podcast yet is because we're very scared <laughs> same with Denis Villeneuve's we haven't kind of covered any of his films because um those films are some of our favorite movies of all time so uh obviously you know we want to get a little bit more confident in things like that before we touch them but yeah man his next project is out in 2020 the date is confirmed for 17th of july 2020 no one knows what it's about except that it's been described as an event film uh and what is an it will event be- film is that like is that like a disaster film without the disaster like no no an event film is like a something of of massive scale so something of like you know avengers 2012 was an event film like oh, something so you, are, on you, that you mean level. like it's something that like everybody's gonna go want to watch type thing yeah that's right oh okay, yep, okay yeah so dude the lead of the film has been announced to be john david washington who led the amazing black Klansman and is obviously the son of david washington uh david denzel washington jesus christ <laughs> he's pretty great i'm so excited I'm so excited for that, man. Like, he was awesome in Black Clownsman, so really keen to see more of him. And under the direction of um, another fantastic director, that's awesome. I'm so keen for that. Uh, a day later, Robert Pattinson and Elizabeth Debicki joined the main cast, which is exciting. Uh, Robert Pattinson, Pattinson uh, actually kind of underrated, dude. You know, although he was in those terrible yeah. fucking Twilight films, the other shit that he's done, like The Rover, fantastic. He's actually really good in him. Uh, and Elizabeth Debicki, uh, I just saw uh, in Widows, she absolutely fucking stole the show in that movie, man. Um, so she's absolutely fantastic. She's from Melbourne, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, dude, really- I, I never feel like you should never like judge an actor or anyone by a single project because you never know what's going on with a director. You don't know if the studio wanted something different to what they did with an actor. Like they can only do what the script tells them to do, you know. Um, and right. a movie like Twilight. The, the people who hate on Twilight, the movie's not made for them. They're not the target demographic. So um, I've always said, I've always thought like 
you shouldn't hate someone for one single project, you know? Hate them well, I, if they do multiple I, projects you hate. <laughs> I do agree to an extent. Um, I oh, think unless an it's actor- like Nazi propaganda or something, then fuck no, those guys, I, you know? I, I think an actor can <laughs> I think an actor can have some influence on a director to, you know, make certain choices and things like that. Like one of the great examples is Harrison Ford in uh Raiders, <laughs> you know, when he yeah. Uh, when he goes up against that 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 knife wielding guy, apparently uh, Spielberg originally wanted them to have a full on fight, but Harrison Ford came up with the idea just to shoot him. You know, like that was a and like that is an amazing piece of cinema now. So yeah, I but think that doesn't you know, that doesn't change the whole film. That just changes the scene. You know, right? But it's still an example of like something that's become iconic, which is you know definitely elevated that scene for sure. Like mm. you know that that's still an input the actor had over the director. Um, I mean, like, I'm not blaming I'm not blaming Robert Patterson for Twilight. Like, there was a lot of issues with those movies, uh, obviously out of his control. But, um, yeah, man, really excited for Nolan's next one. I think the whole world is really fucking keen to see a title, at least, you know. But I'm glad to know when it's coming. Word, word. Um, let's move on, shall we? Let's yep. go from one prolific prolific director to another. Quentin Tarantino has a new film. It's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Let's discuss. What do we think <laughs> of the trailer? Yeah. Um, you know what? It's kind of fitting that I said at the end of uh, last week's episode that it's really tough to cut a trailer for a Tarantino movie because this is not a great trailer, um, in my opinion. Here's the thing, right? I, I, I don't really know what's going on with it. <laughs> um and I don't know if that's it's a good uh, teaser. Well, it's not. Oh yeah, it actually, technically, is a teaser, isn't it? Um, yep. it's a minute forty-five. But yeah, it is a teaser. The thing is, is like it's it's sort of meant to just give us a vibe rather than right. tell us anything. So you can't get mad at it for that. Um, I do got to say, it feels very Tarantino. Um, oh yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, it is Tarantino, and um. But that being said, it feels weird watching a, a Tarantino product and not seeing any violence. Uh, there's almost nothing violent in it. I, I guess you, you know, it, it, technically there's something, but like, uh, it but still feels Tarantino. So 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 good for them, but for him, I think but- it's definitely holding back. Like, there's no way. I mean, like you know, although this movie, most of it will focus on this this Hollywood old Hollywood setting. Uh, we do know that it is about the Manson family as well, so don't forget that. Wait, do we actually know that? I thought it just yeah, took place during the same time as the Manson family. Uh, no. Like, this will have uh, Charles like Manson Direct in ties it, to so. it? Okay. Yep. So, Sharon Interesting. Tate. Uh, so, Margot Robbie plays Sharon Tate, who was murdered by the Manson family. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, Speaking of which, like, what's- <laughs> there's that fucking cheesy-ass- um, on a 70s type shot of her dancing. It just it just reminds yeah. me of Pulp Fiction so hard. It looks um, like something that was ripped from that era, to be honest, which is something that um Tarantino is fantastic at. Oh yeah. Like hell, just even look at the font of the of the title, you know? It's so right. from that era, you know? Um and man, oh, just real quick, like that like emotional scene at the end with DiCaprio, it's just <laughs> 
it's just crazy that like I've got the vibes so the feels so quickly in the space of like ten seconds. Like, oh god damn, <laughs> this fucking movie's gonna get me, bro. It's oh, gonna yeah. get me. <laughs> I have I have look, I, I don't know about, you know, making me cry. I mean like that's not really a Tarantino thing. Uh but oh, I totally have no I have no doubt that this will be incredible. Um speaking no of things well, you know what will definitely make you cry? Segway! Toy Story 4. Oh, man. You know Disney's got them feels in the back pocket ready for Fucking you. Fucking Pixar. Pixar's going to do it to me again, man. Nine years after the release of Toy Story 3, they're going to make me fucking cry like a bitch. Again. Again. How amazing is this fucking trailer? It is so good. It gives me everything I want. It's got the laughs. It's got the feels. It's got the music. It's got um, great setup of a premise. It's such a, uh, you know what? It's almost like it's got two premises. Like first they got to deal with Sporky, but then it's also like we don't want to leave the 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 carnival, and then it's also like about dealing with like Bonnie, and we get a flashback with Andy, but it looks like which is great. Yeah, um, yeah, man. It it kind of delves into this whole you know why do I exist sort of thing, like which is. Yeah. Fucking deep, man. Like, that is deep as shit. And you know what? Tom Hanks called this uh, one of the most emotional acting moments of his entire life, entire career. And you can hear it in Woody's voice. Like, you can you can honestly hear it at points in this trailer. You can hear the, the emotion in Tom in Tom Hanks that in his performance, man. It's fantastic. So I, yeah, I, I will be there day one. There, there's like a, there's like a, 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 a voiceover line where he says something like, um, kids lose their. Oh, it's, it's like ki- uh, Bo Peep's like kids lose their toys every day, and he's like, "I was made to help a child, and I don't remember it being this hard." And I'm just like, right. "Oh my god! Oh, you're getting me, man! You're getting me! Damn it, Woody! Oh, dude, this this trailer, like, I'm everybody sounds remarkable. The the animation, it's so cinematic. It's got this." He's been triloquist dummies freak me the hell out. Like, I understand Goosebumps now. Like, I hope Jack Black's voicing one of those guys. <laughs> um, is there anything else? Oh, I don't know what's going on with Bo Peep. Like, in some scenes, she's wearing her traditional outfit. In others, she's got some other new one. I'm curious what's going on there. Um, do you have anything else to say about this? Yeah, she is now, apparently. Um, do you have anything else to say about this trailer other than I love Sporky? <laughs> uh, no man other than you know like I said I'll be there day one I'm actually kind of surprised they didn't play up uh, Kane Peel's uh, characters in this which is surprising well I'm guessing they didn't because they did like a teaser before that focused on them um, but that kind yeah, of showed most of that they would, so. yeah. yeah well I, I'm surprised we got as much as we did but I'm fucking grateful for it um, that's incredible um, let's move on to another trailer this one I've only watched partially so i want to be honest i don't fully understand it you're um, fired lucy in the sky um this is uh so fill me in here but it's 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 natalie portman um as uh and we also got some others like john ham and stuff um and she's an astronaut in some sort of period piece fill us in yep <laughs> you're you're on the money i want to see how far you go before you say something insane, okay. insanely so- crazy so, full disclosure, I did watch the trailer, but I watched it on mute. <laughs> um, okay. And here's the, okay I gotta, let me ask you a question about it. Tell me if you have an answer for this, because I don't know. Um, 
There's a point in the trailer where the aspect ratio changes. Um, and uh-huh. it's sort of like, I think, and it's like a, it's like a small black box. I mean, you keep cutting between shots in like a widescreen and that. Do we know why it's like that? Are they flashbacks? No. Well, I mean, the entire Do- premise of the movie is about uh, this astronaut who goes up into space and comes back down and deals with the post-traumatic sort of, uh, the weight of it, like the weight of going to space, like, and how it affects her emotionally. So it kind of makes sense that there's some, like, you know, is is represented visually by fucking Noah Hawley, dude. Like, this is why I wanted to uh, talk about this movie. It's directed by Noah Hawley, and it's the reason, you know, we're not getting a season four of Fargo as soon as we are. <laughs> Because Noah Hawley directed Fargo, oh, sorry, created Fargo. He also created Legion, um, which is where Dan Stevens comes from. Dan, Dan Stevens, and he's going to be in this movie as well, along with John Hamm, along with Zazie Beetz. Um, dude, already right there, you've got a great, great cast. You know, um, yeah. this is actually loosely based on true story. A true story. Um, an astronaut, Lisa Nowak. Uh, she had criminal activities around her romantic involvement with a fellow astronaut named William. Uh, I'm gonna fuck up his name, Opheline. Um, so yeah, apparently it's a thing. So, oh, dude, like this trailer looks weird as shit. It looks like fucking Natalie Portman is gonna turn in another great performance. She looks fantastic in this trailer. It does feel weird as shit. Hey, yeah. but well, that's that's Noah Hawley's. That's that's his. That's his game, man. That's his fucking. Yeah. You know. Do you think this is going to be like an Oscar-y... Do you think they're going for the Oscar with this one? I do. Yeah, I yeah. do. Uh, I, like, this is a director that you don't really fuck with, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have anything else you want to add before we move on? Not really, man. Other than, you know, I'm, I'm going to be there day one. I love my space movies. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. Lost space movies don't do it for me. Um, All right. Yeah, it's not for I, everyone. I, I, I mean, you I, know. I, like, I like sci-fi, but give me like a traditional astronaut suit and i just start losing interest i don't know why i don't want to not like them but it's 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 i'm the same with a lot of um medieval and fantasy stuff yeah like well i, it's a I love that shit me. to be honest yeah 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 th- those those are specific genres and they're not really for everyone so i i i understand yeah but i want to like them i gotta say i want to like them and i try and give things a good chance but are you there's eating? some sort of disconnect for me i can hear you eating no, not anymore <laughs> I love calling you out on the podcast because he gets so shy. It's fucking, it's it's so cute. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, do you want to move on to another trailer? Hell yeah, man. Uh, you know what? Actually, um, there's one more that I watched just like Lucy in the Sky, and it's called Deadwood. Now I'm, I'm hearing a lot of things about this. It's like a a sequel to a show or something. Fill me in. Yeah. I'm actually surprised you haven't heard of Deadwood. So Deadwood is a Wasn't massive... Wasn't Joss Whedon or something? No, no. It, it's, a, it's, it's a TV show created by a guy named David Milch. Uh, it's obviously a Western. It was on HBO. It was one of HBO's most successful shows, um, critically, before it got cancelled uh, after season three. I do have the entire show. I do own the entire show. I've seen part of season one. I haven't seen as much as I, I can, but man, like the cast is outstanding. Um and this is obviously the movie version of that. Like, you know, they're gonna wrap up the show finally um in a movie version. Pretty you much know when it got like cancelled. Uh, yeah, yeah, it got cancelled very early. So um it ran from March to the twenty first, two thousand four 
to August 27, 2006. So three seasons. Wow. So like um, ten year, more than 10 years later, they're wrapping up this 13 movie, years this later. Show. Yeah. What the fuck? That's never happened before, right? Well, to be honest, I don't really know if they're wrapping it up. I don't. I haven't seen the end of season three, so I don't really know if everything ties up. Like, I don't. If if you know what I right. mean. So yeah. Um, but let me read you the cast, dude, of the show. Timothy Oliphant, um, who is a great, great actor. He's been in the office. He played. Uh, he actually played uh, Hitman uh, in the original, like that old Hitman movie. Oh, so. the the bald guy, yeah. The bald guy, yeah. Ian McShane, who is outstanding, and we actually just kind of not really talked about him, but he was in John Wick. Uh, um, so, side note, side note, Ian McShane. Doesn't Ian McShane sound like a fake name someone made up to get out of trouble? <laughs> uh, yes, I'm Ian <laughs> McShane. Like, you can't just get a normal name and throw the word mech in front of it and hope to get away with it, buddy. We he see through your is actually, shit. He is actually probably the most iconic character in the entire show. He plays a guy named Al Swearingen. Uh and he says a lot of bad words. He swears a lot. Um, <laughs> Jim Beaver is in the show, so he's from Bo- his Bobby from Supernatural, which just side note, just uh, announced that it will end after season fifteen, which is insane. Oh, finally, uh, Brad, Brad Dourif. <laughs> yeah, no, Brad Dourif, who is from Lord of the Rings. He plays uh, Grima Wormtongue. Um, you've got Dayton Kelly, you've got Keith Carradine, Powers Booth from Sin City, he recently passed away, Anna Gunn, who plays Skylar from uh, Breaking Bad, uh, Jeffrey Jones, uh-huh. and Titus Welliver. Like, this is a, a great cast in the show, so I'm really excited to see how the movie goes, because that trailer is kind of fantastic, so I'm I'm really keen to finish the show. Yeah, um, well, I heard, like, a lot of people getting excited about it. I'm just like... Why? I didn't realize this was from 10 years ago. Yeah, it's because the show is very critically acclaimed. It is, um, from what I've seen, man, it's actually outstanding. I just, unfortunately, never really got the time to finish it, but I'll, I'll definitely go back to finishing it after seeing that trailer. I'm curious. You know, honestly, whatever HBO um, touches, it turns to gold. So, yeah. I think it's interesting. This is coming out not long after hearing about the Breaking Bad movie. I wonder if there's some connection. Probably not, but. Yeah. Uh, different Anyways. studios. It might not be, but yeah. Um, let's move on to another trailer, shall we? Um, yeah, man. Did you <laughs> did you watch the trailer for Dora and the Lost City of Gold? No, I purposely didn't watch it. Fuck that. Um, dude, I just want to say they fucking stole this from College Humor. <laughs> <laughs> College Humor did a mini series a few years ago where they did like a lot, <coughs> like an Indiana Jones. Type uh, trailer for it. Sorry, Indiana Jones type miniseries for it. Do you want to do you want to swallow <laughs> whatever you're eating there? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just I'm choking on spit. It's not even food; it's spit. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, yeah, and this feels like they completely stole this from College Humor. And if you look at the comments, that's what everybody's saying. It's like College Humor did this first. The actor even looks the same as the other actor. It's funny, but it does have our good um our good friend uh, uh what's his name? The funny guy from Ant-Man. Oh, Michael Pena, yeah. Yeah. He plays, I think, Dora's dad or something. And it looks like it's pretty high budget for a Nickelodeon movie. And obviously, it's for kids. All the jokes are not funny. Um, but it looks super faithful to the to the original. And it's just like, okay, that's a thing that happened. Good huh. for them. And it, it's so Indiana Jones, too. Like, it everything is, is Indiana Jones. It is written by the guy who directed Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which is interesting. 
Really? Yeah. Ah, and I, it's I missed that. Directed by the guy who directed the Muppets, the Muppets Most Wanted, uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass. So I love the Muppet movies, man. I, apparently, up, they're, they're great. fantastic. Yeah, I haven't seen them. Um, do you see the one with uh, Jason Segel? They, uh, don't they both have Jason Segel? I think just one of them. Oh, I'm not sure. But I know he did the music for one of them, and it was really good. That one, the one, whichever one I saw. But yeah, um, let's move on because we're not going to do a whole fucking podcast about Dora the Explorer. Um, interesting, they didn't they uh, omitted the words Explorer from the title. Oh, um, just quickly, um, the yeah. lead. Sorry, the the, the chick that plays uh, Dora the Explorer, uh, Isabella Mon- Mona. Um, she is in a few things actually. She was in uh, Transformers The Last Night, and she was in Sicario, Day of the Soldado, which she was actually really fucking great in. Well, she she weirdly looks exactly like Dora. Although it's it's kind of weird seeing Dora the Explorer with boobs. Um, it feels wrong, <laughs> I just got to say. Because <laughs> they're, they're, oh, they're just there, dude. And the shirt is so let's, tight. It's like, you need to be aged let's down. Let's leave that alone, Matt. This Isabella Mona is 17 years old, so and let's fucking move away. I'm uncomfortable, man. It makes me uncomfortable, man. Um, <laughs> anyways, I think, is that it for trailer? Oh, sorry. We got one more. We got a big one. Stranger Things 3. Oh, fuck yeah. Holy shizer. Um, And did you know they've got a video game for Stranger Things coming out? I know it's on Switch. I'm not sure if it's on the others. Oh, um, I don't know. I don't know about that. That looks cool. Yeah, it looks very 80s. They just dropped a uh, demo. It looks very like Zombies at My Neighbors type style. Um, but yeah, this is this is like the kids are growing up. Um, I'm definitely getting Stephen King vibes. This intro with the with the toys coming out and stuff. Um, the monsters are looking crazier. I don't know. It's, it's just it's just more Stranger Things, you know. Admittedly, there's nothing too, like, surprising or insane in this, but just more what I love, you know? Well, um, something that I've always really loved about Stranger Things is the way Netflix cut their trailers. Um, dude, that, the trailer for season two with Thriller over the, over the thing, over the trailer, yeah. that was fucking outstanding, and I didn't think it could be outdone. But, man, when they started pa- playing um, Bubba O'Reilly uh, from The Who over this trailer, <laughs> I was like, God. Damn it, they did it. They fucking did it, man. <laughs> um, and actually, it just kind of came out that um, the Stranger Things trailer has become Netflix's most viewed YouTube video ever. Oh, I didn't know that. Good for Overtaking them. season two's thriller video, which is 19 million views, and Bird Box trailer, which is 18 million views. So that's wild, man. Um, really excited for this. Really, really keen, man. I, I love this series. I love, you know, how playful it is. I love how dark it gets. Um, yeah. you know, David Harbour's fantastic, Millie Bobby Brown, the kids are fantastic. Um, so really, really keen to see what they do with this. Yeah. There's a shot in this trailer, man, that just gets me thinking. It looks like Josh Brolin. I don't think it's Josh Brolin, <laughs> but it's, he's in like this, like, maze of colored lights and it looks like it's straight out of John Wick 2 or some sort of Enter the Dragon vibes. Um, I wonder if it's a callback to anything or something, but yeah, man. The other thing is that with this trailer makes you realize is like, well, it is like got its deep roots in horror. Like, this is kind of like a soap opera, the, or these things, like big focus on relationships and stuff, but it's done really well. So props to them. Um, for sure. I think that's it for Stranger Things. I think that's it for our trailers, actually. Uh, yep, that's it. So we've got to get into some reviews now. Um, and we've got a lot. We've got, um, I saw mid 90s. 
the and the dirt. You saw Hotel Mumbai, and we both saw Fighting with My Family. So how about I'll do my review for mid nineties. You do Hotel Mumbai, then I'll do the Dirt, which is right now on Netflix, and then you can do. Then we can both do Fighting with My Family. How's it sound? Sounds great, man. Um, do you want to lay out what's going to have spoilers and what's not? Um, I reckon. So mid nineties. I don't really want spoilers because I do want to see that. Oh, uh, it's you. It's it'll be hard to spoil that film. Same with the Dirt. It's an autobiographical rock film. It's pretty like that. Hotel Mumbai. That, is that really. is that spoilers and is that is that very spoiler heavy? Well, it is a true story that really happened in real life. So people can people already probably know about the event. Really, so yeah. It's same with the I'm dirt. happy so to I reckon, spoil it. I reckon let's do full spoilers for everything. All right, cool. Sounds good. Cool. All right. So with that being said, let's talk about mid nineties. I'm not supposed to be around here. Get the fuck out. Hey, the little nigga with the Toys R Us badge, come here. You can't say nigga, I don't think. Fucking Cheryl Crow looking motherfucker. This is awesome. I've never been in a car without someone's mom or dad before. You're so cute. Then we get the age before guys become dicks. Oh, fuck. Yo, what the fuck? So, mid 90s, this is the directorial um, debut from Jonah Hill, um, and it takes place in the mid 90s. And um, it's it feels very very indie um, in a good way, and it, it reminds me of me as a kid, to be honest. Because it's about a bunch of skaters. Um, it's, it starts with this one kid, and he's he wants to learn how to skate, and starts hanging out with these bad influences. And um, it's called sort of like a coming of age film as a kid, just learning about how to grow up and what life is like around um, in this very like skateboard culture. Um, and it's it's very 90s, but like unlike some other films, like the 90s in this doesn't feel forced. It just feels 90s. Um, and it's not like grunge 90s. Like it's not doing all the references you'll see in something like Captain Marvel. It's a lot more hip hop in, um, inspired with the music choices and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, man, this has some incredible acting. Um, but what I like most is like the script and just the way how everything and the and the and the I guess production design, I guess, or just everything, how it feels so authentic. Like the way the kids talk, they they talk like real kids. Like, um, so a big thing back then was using the gay homophobic slur, the F word. Um, and like, this is used a lot. And apparently I read like Jonah Hill was nervous about doing it, but it was like the most, na- and then I think one of his producers or someone who's from LGBT sort of encouraged him to do it because it was authentic to the actors or whatever. Um, but like just the way they talk to each other and the way that like the kids give each other shit, it feels very real. Like this is one, as <laughs> one guy, um, a lot of them have nicknames. Like this one character, his name is fuck shit. That's because, um, every time he sees something he's like, he's like, fuck shit, dude, that's dope. And he just always is saying that. And the way they well, talk um, to each other is really funny. Um, uh, so, sorry, Matt, I'm just going to break in here just quickly. So one of the it. actors in that movie, um, is uh, Lucas Hedges, who was actually in uh, Boy Erased, who is yes. actually, um, who is actually gay. So maybe, maybe it was him that had a input. Well, you know what? Like, um, that's not even like a element of the film. So, so props to him for that. Um, nice. But he's great. Like, actually, all the actors are really great in this movie, to be honest. But they're like great, mostly in subtle ways. Like, it's not a lot of dramatic crying over the top, but, like, everything just feels so authentic. It's kind of like just, like, being in a, a day in a life of what's going on. Um, that being said, though, like, 
there's not much of a story. Like there is a story, but it's very like sort of almost paper thin sort of thing. Like there is definitely a character arc, but there's nothing super crazy going on. And then the movie kind of ends a bit abruptly. Like sure, they kind of wrap up everything, but it kind of feels like you're more just experiencing something than watching like a like a like a like a film, you know. Um, it is well directed. It is well acted. Um, I do like the soundtrack. Um, but it's nothing I could tell everyone. Like you're not going to go rushing home and think this is the most amazing thing ever because the movie never goes out of its way to try and like really impress you. I feel like everything is just so the stakes are very low at all times. Um, which I don't know if that's a bad thing or not. Um, but it all is really well put together. This film, um, I'd probably give it maybe a, uh, maybe a seven and a half to eight out of 10, but I don't know if I'm going to watch it again. It was really good. It was really fun. And also I got to admit the comedy, um, really surprised me. Like it was funny, but like, it wasn't like, it was just, it was just naturally funny. It never tries to be funny. If that makes sense. It's just the, yeah, the, the, it does feel like you're hanging out with a bunch of mates, which is what I liked about the film. Um, and it's probably the core of it too. But yeah, that's me for mid-90s, probably a, a 7.5 to 8 out of 10. Which um, is a pretty good score, actually, for, um, you know, Joni Hill's de- debut, right? Yeah, well, I read also he got a lot of advice from people like Scorsese and um, some other directors he worked with. But, like, um, it's it's hard to be negative with a film like this where it's not trying to be flashy or anything like that. And I feel like when a film tries to be, when it goes for, like, you got to judge a film based on what's attempting at trying to be, you know? And you got to like, you got to give it, if it's not trying to be the crazy big epic action blockbuster, or it's not trying to be some too over the top, you can't judge it by those standards. For what it is, that's right. what I give it that. I, I do feel like maybe it wants to be an Oscar film, but it's not going to be. It might win something at the Indie Spirit Awards or whatever, but I don't expect to see it at the Oscars. Um, nice. Let's move on. Let's to your film, uh, Hotel Mumbai. Am I saying that right? Yes, Hotel Mumbai. Don't open the door. It's them. Out. So, Hotel Mumbai, um, I, <laughs> I don't know why I did this to myself, man. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> no, wow. not in terms of the quality of the movie. No, no, hold on. Not in terms of the quality of the movie, but... Okay. Um, what this movie is about, and um, when I watched it, because I watched this a week after the Christchurch attack, and oh. I shouldn't have, because this uh. is about a terrorist event that happened in Mumbai, and man, this movie uh. is heavy. Like, it is heavy as fuck, man. Like, you know... I've seen Patriots Day, I've seen movies like United 93, like, you know, films that depict, like, terrorist events. But, man, this this movie, um, I've never seen it so viscerally done. And, um, honestly, 
it it is it is heavy. It, like I I it honestly it took a toll on me, and I I wish I I I, I kind of wish I hadn't seen it as uh, holy shit. As, as soon as I as soon as you know as soon as I did because um I did wish I I waited for a bit because this yeah it was it was affecting um you know I think watching a movie like United ninety three you know about about nine eleven about the these guys who overtake the the plane and you know the 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 crew. Uh, kind of overcoming that is a little different than watching a movie like Hotel Mumbai, um, because Hotel Mumbai, the attack was so much like what happened in Christchurch. It was using, you know, it was boots on the ground. It was using firearms. Um, so I think just how how that event happened, uh, you know, correlates with what happened today. Sorry, um, just recently, uh, kind of had a, a massive effect on me, but. Um, that being said, man, you, this movie is actually banned in New Zealand uh, because of what Shit. happened. It was pulled from cinemas, um, so that's definitely saying something. Um, this movie is actually a joint Australian film. Did you know that? Okay, okay. <laughs> it's directed by a guy named Anthony Maras, who is an Australian film director. Uh, he's from South Australia. This movie was partially filmed in Adelaide. Um, all of the hotel interiors are inside, shot inside a, a studio in Adelaide, which is kind of cool, man, which is actually kind of inside exciting because this is a really well-made movie. As sad as it is and as tragic as it is, this movie is so fantastically made. Like, the acting is outstanding. The way that the script is written is outstanding, man. Like, there are surprises in this movie that you just don't see coming. Um, you know, people are killed off that you don't think are, be- are going to be killed off, and uh, things play out a lot, lot differently than you ex- actually expect. Because I didn't really know too much about this event. Um, I didn't really know exactly how it unfolded. I knew that you know there were multiple attacks in multiple different sites at the right time, and basically, uh, Mumbai in India was uh, was declared like an emergency zone. Like this entire city was just under chaos. Um. And the you know the the police were ill equipped. They didn't have enough uh, firepower, so they had to call in their special forces from Delhi, which is eight hundred miles away. Okay, Shit. while this event is unfolding, so you know you have this hostage situation, and um, this is an out- dude. Th- this is an outstanding movie. Uh, the way the cinematography is played out, the way um, Dev Patel, by the way, fucking excellent man. You know, if you guys haven't seen Lion, go check out the movie Lion. Um, yes. I think I think he actually likes Australia, man. Like that that's from Melbourne, that movie. So um <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh definitely a visceral, fantastic film that portrays a tragic, tragic uh part of human history. Um, but you know, by the time the movie closes, um you do see the positive elements that come out of it like the way everyone kind of unites to to build something better and you know how humans help each other after something so tragic it's it's kind of beautiful um so uh you know um and i wasn't i wasn't really expecting the terrorists um to get so much sort of humanity uh you know they're, they're not they're not right they're not really given you know they're not the sort of cardboard cutouts that you think they are um, they are kind of, you know, one or two, not all of them. They are kind of given moments where they do shine a little, which was 
um, both harrowing uh, and good from a skip script writing perspective. So, you know, that can go either way for you, whichever way, however you feel. Um, but in terms of movie making, I think that's fantastic. So, yeah, man, this movie probably, I'm going to give it an eight and a half. Um, the reason why I sort of bring it down is because I think it does sort of sag a little bit in the middle. It is a little too long um, because, you know, this movie is a two-hour, ten-minute hostage movie uh, and you can only do so much in a in a hostage situation like that. So, um, yeah, but definitely check it out. Uh, just don't watch it now, I think. <laughs> That's a... Uh, that all makes sense why I'd say that, but... It's still funny to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm up next, huh? Let's talk about let's talk about the dirt. Um, available now on Netflix. If we want to knock people on their asses, then we've got to give them a show. I'm talking like a stadium show in the clubs. The fans they're dying for some anarchy, so let's give it to them. So the dirt is a autobiographical uh, rock star film um, about the band Motley Crue. And... Oh, nice. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. And if you're a fan of Bohemian Rhapsody um, or of their music, um, you might like this film. Um, it's very, very fun. And I love actually the the tone of it. And I love like the way it's been directed. So it's very fourth wall breaking. Um, at any point, Anywhere, the characters will just look at the camera and start talking to you. Um, and it would, they'll do it in weird ways. Like, oh, so this guy's our manager. There's also this guy and he's pissed at us because he's not in the film. And he just starts fading away and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and they do stuff like that. There's also cameos. There's a scene with Ozzy Osbourne. Um, there's a scene with uh, Van Halen. Um, Slash has like a, a Slash person that has a cameo in it. Uh, so it's very part of that era. And it's like- it's super, it's the most rock and roll film I've ever seen. I think every third film and probably every third scene, if not every second scene, there's tits. Um, and I think every fourth scene probably has either people doing coke or heroin or something. Um, that being said, the plot is super paint by numbers. Um, I reckon if you play this alongside Bohemian Rhapsody, the same story beats would happen at the exact same time. Um, <laughs> that being said, um, and, and this movie is really well shot. It's so, it's really beautiful, honestly. Um, and it's good. Uh, there's a few things. Okay. So I don't know if this is a criticism or not, but there's some really weird casting choices. Like I keep watching it and people show up. I'm like, what the fuck is that person doing in the movie? Like, for example, Tommy Lee, um, the drummer is played by rapper Machine Gun Kelly, who is also another Netflix movie, Bird Box. Um, and it's like, what the fuck? Are you- okay. I guess you have tattoos or something. But then it'll be, um, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, there's a comedian who recently broke up with Ariana Grande, um, from SNL. Um, I don't fucking uh, know, dude. His name's, I want to bring it up. Um, but anyways, he plays like a manager guy and he looks nothing like the original dude. And it's kind of like, what's he doing in this movie? Oh, I've got it up here. IMDb. His name is, I can't find him. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Some comedian from SNL. Um, and then randomly, um, the guy from the YouTube channel 10 Second Songs plays like Motley Crue's second vocalist. Um, he's in a few scenes and it's just like, I keep seeing people pop up and it's like, you, it's some weird casting choice that I've never seen before. Um, 
but my honestly my biggest criticism is um okay so so one of them besides okay besides the fact that it's very paint by numbers you can kind of predict the plot points as they go but Unlike Bohemian Rhapsody, who clearly had a main character, right? Like that film was Freddie Mercury's film and the others sort of had elements. This tries to evenly split the whole film between all four members of the band. Um, you could argue Nikki Six is kind of more like the main character at times, but everyone has like an equal opportunity to shine a spotlight. And as a result, I feel like it kind of ends up being a bit paper thin. Um, I kind of wish we had a more central main character. Um, and I also feel like this is my personal, me personally. Um, I feel like Motley Crue, as big of a band as they are, like their songs aren't used as well here. Like, sure, there's less montages than something about Human Rhapsody. And it's hard not to compare this to Human Rhapsody because it feels like the same film, just not done as well. Um, sure, this film I do think is funnier than Human Rhapsody. I think it's shot better at times. Um, but Bohemian Rhapsody is so much more fun. Um, and the other thing is, too, it is a big criticism. Um, if you're doing a movie about music, like, it's going to look like they're playing it. Like, whenever the lead singer sings, I can tell he's miming, like, so much. And it's really annoying, unfortunately. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, like, it's, it's a big, like, it's a big problem for me. Like, very early on, like, there's one of the first scenes of them doing music is they're doing a jam in a, um, in, like, someone's bedroom or lounge room or something. And like straight up, it sounds like a high quality studio recording and um, it just sounds too clean and his lips aren't even matching it properly. And it's like, this is, this is a problem. Um, that being said, the movie is a lot of fun, but again, very generic story, um, lack of main character. And because it's like, because it's so evenly split, whenever they try and do emotional stuff, it doesn't hit me as hard. That being said, um, I'm not sure who the main, uh, the lead actor's name, but um, he plays like the singer of the band. And he's got blonde hair. He's a really great scene with his daughter towards the end of the film, which was like fucking, I was just like, great acting there. Chop, tops to you, mate. Um, but that being said, yeah, I think it's like a, it's like a six and a half for me. Um, it is fun. It, it is worth watching if you're into like those type of films. As biography, like rock star type films. And I really do like the way it is like treated with the fourth wall breaking stuff. But it, I just feel like I've seen this movie done better very recently. Um, and yeah, available now on Netflix. Um, we got one left to talk about. It's probably the big one. Uh, let's talk fighting with my family. Sorry about that. It's the wrong. We're huge fans. Thank you so much. What advice would you give us? We want to be the next you. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Please, sir. May I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's the rock's advice. Shut your mouth. Thanks, Dwayne. Got it. So fighting with my family. Zohead. Lay it on me. What'd you think? Uh, so this is not really a this is not a movie with subject matter that I'm I'm genuinely interested in. Uh, sorry, Patrick, if you if you're listening, he loves his wrestling. But God damn, this was a good movie. <laughs> this it has was all, the feels. Um, all of the fields and a ton like dude, a ton of heart. Very hilarious. I came to this movie for one name and one name only. 
And it is not Dwayne Johnson. It is Stephen Merchant. So Stephen Merchant, the director, do you know much about him, Matt? He directed, um, oh, what was it? I read this earlier. I forgot. Okay, well, this is terrible. But anyway, <laughs> Stephen Merchant, <laughs> Stephen Merchant uh, had a hand in, uh, well, he directed all of the UK Office episodes, but he also had a hand in creating the US Office. Um, he is also a actor. He's from Hall Pass. He's been in fucking a number of yeah. things. He was in Logan. He played Caliban. Um, that's it. That's yeah, man. it. He, he is talent. And honestly, he has talent behind the camera because this movie is... Fucking outstanding in terms of comedy, man. Like, this was a hilarious movie. I was not expecting... It's, it's fucking funny. In fact, I, I knew it would be funny, but I didn't think it would be this funny. Yeah, That's for sure. I, I knew it was going to be a comedy, so... um, Stephen Merchant, man, like, the, the guy just fucking kills it and everything he's in. Like, he's outstanding, but... Yeah, man, like, honestly, <laughs> the bones of the story is very rocky. It's a very rocky story. Um, but... I think, you know, it's fresh enough that it's done well. Um, the young lead, uh, Florence Pugh, uh, she's really fantastic. Uh, she, uh, she's she's actually just been cast in the Black Widow movie, which is really exciting, so can you see more of her? Uh, fucking uh, Nick Frost as the father is fantastic. And yes. someone who I wasn't expecting in this movie, Lena Headey from um, Game of Thrones, she plays Cersei. She's Bro. great as well, man. I did not recognize her for the longest time. Then halfway no. through the movie, I lean over to my friend. I'm like, dude, is that Cersei? He's like, <laughs> yeah, man, you didn't know? I'm like, dude, that's fucking Cersei. <laughs> yeah, she loves playing uh, like these 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 characters with different looks, like really different looks to her. She's actually a really beautiful woman. Uh, but, man, she, she picks like really like obscure characters sometimes. Like <laughs> she's in Dread. She plays the villain in Dread Mama and she's all got like a scarred up face oh, yeah. and shit. Uh she was obviously in Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles and um yeah man like she's fantastic. She's great in this. But yeah man like the the relationship with um with with Paige she and she's also brother the queen in three hundred. Sorry. Yeah. I was yeah, gonna get that up there. Yeah. No, no, sorry, she is, she is. Um we see her boobs in that. <laughs> 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 but yeah, we're so, grateful. <laughs> hey man, I'm just getting my little kid kidness out of the way. Oh, but and dude, how great is it to see Vince Vaughn in in a, in a good strong role that's very comedic again? I feel like it's been ages since I've seen him be funny. You know what, dude? Not only comedic, but really sometimes dramatic too. Like the sequence where he actually has to tell the brother that, "Hey, man, you didn't make the cut. I'm so sorry." Uh, yeah, like he definitely brings that gravitas to him. Like he. He's been taking some really dramatic roles lately. Like, uh, I think it's called 99 Blocks. It's this, uh, oh, I can't remember if it's, uh, no, no, Brawling, Brawling, uh, Cell Block 99 or some shit like that. I can't remember, but it's fantastic. It's from the director of Bone Tomahawk. Check that out. Uh, he was obviously in True Detective uh, Season 2 in a, in a villain role. So he's, you know, he's been doing a lot of dramatic stuff very recently. But man, yeah, when he turns on the funny, he's very funny still. Um, yeah, he's really, got some great, really great scenes in this, man. Yeah, um, a hilarious movie, dude, with a lot of heart, I think, so. Yeah, like, that's the thing that sells this film. It's heart. Like, you can tell, like, that's the main thing. They want to focus on the family rather than just the rise um, of this of this one athlete wrestler. Um, it was super, super funny. Um, had the feels when it needed to. 
Um, yeah, like the plot is a little paint by numbers, and I want to talk to about that. If you say paint um, by numbers again, I'm going to murder you. <laughs> sorry, it just okay. Just it's we've seen it, been there, done that. Um, but it's all done well, and like a lot of productions from Seven Bucks, um, I, I, I'm Dwayne jo- the Rock Johnson's company, who I'm beginning to love, man, because they they they're very marvel in the sense that they love their formulas they know what works and they stick to it that's kind of why you always sort of get this guaranteed quality um it also means you're never going to be you see anything crazy oscary but like it's always a good time with the with these films from these guys um uh yeah i do want to mention something i found out but i don't want to let it affect my score um i want to say for me it was maybe an eight out of ten um it's just a really feel-good movie. I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, what would you give this? Yeah, I'd probably give it somewhere around eight and a half. Um, I, I unfortunately, um, right now, I can't remember what negatives I had because, guys, let me just preface this: uh, we didn't have a review last week because Matt hadn't seen this yet. We are doing our jobs. We are still watching movies, so <laughs> we're still getting reviews out there. Last week, we just skipped it because uh, we did want to talk about it in detail together. So. Um, we we yeah, just acknowledge I, I just, that, like we want to, like we just know that it's going to be a better episode if it's two right. people talk about the same movie than one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I just wanted to really make a joke that we're still doing our jobs. But anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'm I am forgetting like a few things. So oh, I just remembered a big criticism I have actually. Um, and this I don't know if this was for you. Um, the ending. Um, they they leave, and my friend who I saw this with, we were both very confused. Because it's like, why is like, so they, they, they established very early on that wrestling, it's not fake, it's fixed. So it's kind of like, why is she so surprised that she won? Like, she seems to get slapped. Like, oh, they don't, they don't, I can tell they you don't why. Show, um, I can tell you they why. Don't, yeah, well, they don't show you the practice, they don't show you anything. And I guess maybe they just want to surprise us as an audience. No, let me tell you why. So um, I actually watched this with someone who uh, loves wrestling. Okay. Uh, she, she was telling me, uh, you know, she's seen the actual fight of this. Um, so apparently in that final fight, she was not supposed to win. Like it was fixed to win the other way. Uh, but I can't remember something happened in that final chokehold or something that she just lost control or something like that. And she wasn't supposed to win. Like that was well, something that, that was, was supposed my theory. to. I was yeah. like, oh, do you think... Um- Maybe the other actress got injured and she said something like, hey, pin me because I can't get up to do this or something. Um, so that's what I was thinking. But if that was true, you'd think they would show it in the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I guess they don't want to, they don't really want to take away from the, the, uh, the, cel- the celebratory nature of it all, right? Um, like, you know, they don't want to take away from the family watching her on TV and cheering her on. Like, they don't want to take away from that. So once you do that, then you take away that little element of it. So I'm, I can see why they didn't do it. So okay, that's so really I, not I heard something for. different, and this is why I want to say it after giving the score. And I don't know, take it all with a grain of salt. Um, so apparently this went down. Oh, sorry, but I rather like sort of can. Negative was, I was very confused a lot of time about the time period of this movie, um, just because they had phones, but they kept talking like it was a while ago. But that's not a big deal. Um, but I heard so in real life, apparently, with what happened was, so there was a documentary around this family called Wrestling Fighting with My Family, 
And Dwayne Johnson one day saw this documentary and was like, I want to make a movie about this girl. And then apparently in real life, and so he started keeping tabs on her. And what happened in real life, which is, you know, the whole Bohemian Rhapsody argument where like they changed a lot of things. But apparently yep. in real life, she became champion of NXT. Then entered, and then after that, so everyone already kind of knew her because she did a whole bunch of matches there. And then she went to WWE. And it's true that on her first match, she did win. Um, but from I've my understanding, a- when she met with Dwayne and he called the family, apparently in real life, that call was to say an hour before the event, she told, uh, he told her, you're going to win this match because of some reason. Um, so she didn't know she was going to win, but she found out an hour beforehand. Um, and then apparently the other thing is in that same meeting, he told her, we're going to make a movie about you. Where and, are you getting that from? Um, so Dwayne Johnson's YouTube channel, the original page talked about it there. And then I read it in another interview. Uh, okay. Sorry, no, I watched it in another interview. So um, and, and I saw something else similar on IMDb, which was- wasn't exactly the same, but it was around that thing. But it came from the source, you know? Um, and she said, and like what annoys me a little bit, and I, I don't want it to affect my judgment of the film, but it feels like they changed history so they could make a movie about it. You know what I mean? I mean, like that happens all the time, though. Like that happens. Um, I guess, but like, uh, it feels so like. This is not a documentary. Right? Like, I, like, yeah, I feel like I've been lied to, though. Like, like they made her the champion. So they could make a movie about it five years later. Uh, I don't think this was five years later, was it? Or something like. Well, it was 2014. I so thought that was. I thought. Or are something you sure like that. It was 2014? 2013. It, was, it, was, it wasn't that long ago. Dude, I thought it was early, early 2000s. Oh, maybe it was 2004, maybe then. Sorry. <laughs> I think it was a four. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put. I don't, I don't, I'm not putting much stock in that, man. Like, I can't see them. Like rigging a match just so they can make a movie ten years later. Like I can't see no, that happening. No, apparently, like like that's what they said. Like the the original page said Dwayne Johnson told her about an hour before the match. No, sorry, it wasn't Dwayne. It was um Vince McMahon or what? Oh, no, some some hotshot person, right? Uh, I can think you, Dwayne, but Dwayne Johnson that, was with them. Is that them. verified? Are you sure? It's by the actual wrestler. I've got this from on Screen Rant. I've got this from what, Screen Rant. So the actual match, the actual match was entirely one-sided. Uh, Lee, Age, uh, who is the the other the opposition, Lee took advantage of Paige being unprepared and dominated her, trying to win the match early with her submission hold finisher. Uh, Stephen Merchant made the match more exciting by adding more offensive maneuvers. Uh, Paige hit AJ with a fellaway slam while the champion rocked the rocked the challenger with a suplex off the top rope. The finish for the match was the same, but the film approves upon real life by having Paige properly execute the page turner to pin the champion whereas the real page and aj infamously botched the finishing move mm. yeah well may- maybe maybe so the maybe finale, the meeting the happened after match- the match then maybe, maybe that meeting the in fin- real life happened after the match then the finale match builds tension by making it seem like page didn't know she would win in actuality the real wrestlers knew by the time Raw started that the title was switching owners. Okay, so yeah, there you go. So I'm right. So I was right. Well, apparently. Yeah. See, that's that's the <laughs> thing. It's like so on the day she this knew why- that she was going to win the match, but she also found out before she won the match they were going to make a movie about it. I don't know about that, man. Like making a movie like ten, what, fifteen years later, dude. 
The actual wrestler said this in a promotion for the movie on Dwayne The Rock Johnson's YouTube channel. You can go watch yeah, but, it after this. But you just said it, in a promotion for the movie. Yeah, like, she found you know, out they were going to make the movie the day that she won the match. Yeah, but she said it, when did she say it? On YouTube for a promotion for the movie. Like, this was, you don't know, she could be making shit up. You know that shit. I doubt that. Why would you make that shit that. up? She says I mean, it's the biggest moment of her living. life. <laughs> she, she makes shit up for a living. Dude, dude, like she said, the way it really happened was this. And then she said, like, I got told they were going to make this movie the same day. And movies take a long time to make, man. Like, they can take a lot of films you see it that come out. It doesn't take 15 years. Five plus years. Well, you, you, think, years. you think Dwayne Johnson's not busy making other films? He makes like four blockbusters a year. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think they set this up 14, 15 years in advance. They did. I'm telling you. The day so, of man. that thing, even in the, even in the movie, Dwayne Johnson says when they first see him, I'm around here because I'm shooting a film. He was, he yeah, was in but, the movie industry uh, at the time. I mean, yeah, it's in the movie. But, like, I don't believe a word that Paige, the actual wrestler, says during the promotional run saying, hey, we decided to make this movie 14 years ago. Uh, because that's why we—that's the whole reason why we fixed the fight. I don't believe that at all. I'm sorry, I just don't. Well, I'm not saying that's why they fixed the fight, but the ha- it just happened to be the day that she won the fight. She also found out they were making a movie about her. That's interesting. I, I still don't believe her. Uh, I'm sorry. I think she's why, just saying. So- it- I think she's just saying it to promote the movie. That's not that. That makes the movie look worse, though. It doesn't make the movie look good at all. Why? Because it's, it's making the you're, movie. you're admitting that you that you fucking rigged everything. Well, I mean, like it's wrestling. <laughs> you're supposed to rig everything, right? Yeah, but that like I I dislike the movie a little bit knowing that. I don't know. I think it's uh, yeah. I, I I I think she's talking shit. That's just my two cents. I don't believe her at all. Sorry, I can't see it happening. I can't see it happening. I can't see. Them. Why? Like, movies take a long time to get made. Sausage Party took over ten years to make. Yeah, but <laughs> that's that's not that's not rigging a wrestling fight just to be like, hey, we're gonna make a movie about you eventually about this moment. I can't see that you happening. Th- yeah, yeah, because they wanted her to create a legacy and stuff, so she had brand recognition. But she fucked it up and she quit wrestling a few years ago because she had some controversies mm, and I shit. I think I think you're I think you're drinking the Kool Aid, Matt. Bro, wrestling sell toys. They sell so much merchandise. This is like, they're all about making money. They manipulated us so they could do this shit. I don't think so. Why make the Marine first? Because it, it's it's a quicker turnaround for money. No, I don't it's, think so. It's a B-grade film. It's not a major release film. Major <sighs> release films are harder to make. I don't think so, This man. is probably the first one the WWE's ever been attached to. I, don't, I, I just, I can't see it happening. I, uh, I'm sorry. I just, I can't. It's not, uh, I mean, give me more sources. Like, you know, give me some the evidence. The actual person that happened to On a promotional tour, Matthew. On a promotional tour, she said it, for, to promote the movie. Like so, okay, so just letting you know, from now on, every time you say something that happened on a promotional tour, I will put into question now. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, come on, like, I need give me some evidence from the fight. They from already when- had a documentary made about her family, which inspired them to make the movie, and that and that documentary is even older than both of these I don't put know. together. I don't know. I, I, I can't. I can't. No, it's not. It's. I mean, I need to see some evidence from back then to indicate that they were making this movie, that they had intentions to make this movie. 
Well, they'll never ha- oh, You could probably find an interview somewhere. Yeah, probably, but I still haven't seen it, so I, I'm not- I, Dude, I can't. I can't right, deal with well, that. Well, you're dumb. I'm smart. Let's leave <laughs> all it. All right, all right. Okay, so <laughs> so um, that's it for this week of Midnight Double Feature. Um, I'm Matt, and this is Zoheb, and you can find us, uh, along with our good friends Colin and Danny, on um, one of our many, many episodes. We turned one just the other day, so we're really excited. There's plenty of you to check it out. We're closing on episode 100. Can't wait to get there. Please, if you're hearing us on iTunes, give us a five-star review, or you can find us other places, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you like to listen to your stuff, and find us on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, or join our Facebook group, The After Party. Um, And yeah, thank you very much for hanging out. Um, Coming up next, there'll be a feature presentation where we'll be covering, uh, is it Looper? Or did we just do Looper? We just did Looper. (laughs) What's up next? Have we announced it? Well, no, we haven't announced it because we're waiting on your schedule. Okay, so we will let you know very soon what our next episode will be.